The microphone is plugged in. Okay. Now. And we're ready to go. We're winning. <laughs> when we're winning and we're ready to go. Rock and roll. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Of course. Do you want to introduce yourself? My name is Eden Sterling. I am 20 years old and I'm a self-proclaimed artist. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> In many different facets. Um, started out with music and now more of a writer, do makeup artistry, um, repurposing fashion. So cool. And that perfectly sums up exactly why I wanted you <laughs> to come and be a guest because as people will know if they've heard the last episode or my introductory episode the whole point of this is just to have conversations with really cool creative people and just pick <laughs> their brains because that's all all I ever want to do is just pick the brains of creative people so you are literally like the most perfect person to have because as you said, you have, like, your toe dipped in, like, a thousand different creative mediums, which I'm so excited to hear all about. <laughs> so first, because I'm Emmeru, I want to talk about fashion. <laughs> that's my favorite thing, right? Awesome. So, you told me you're going to Vancouver mm-hmm. to study fashion. Yeah. Which is so exciting. Tell me a little more about what sparked that. How your interest began and like the whole journey that led to falling in love with fashion to actually pursuing it like as a career. Yeah, I mean, the whole beginning of it was last year. I was working at Roots doing visual merchandising. Um, And I had always been really interested in visual merchandising and I loved the aspect of taking an idea and executing it. Mm -hmm. And Uh, I had done it a lot with products in previous jobs, but this is my first time working with clothes doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's by far been my favorite job that I've ever had. And we worked so much with color theory and taking, you know, a whole swath of, of items and a new collection and displaying it in such a way that is going to be more appealing to people. It was just so mystical to me. And I loved the process so much. You know, even the hours that were insane, insane from six in the morning or, you know, going from 8 p.m. to 8 (laughs) a.m. But it was just a fascinating process to me. And then over the next, you know, year or so now, I've just been doing a lot of reworking of clothing. And that's pretty much my objective is to work with the fast fashion industry mm-hmm. and so going to, to thrift stores secondhand shops and picking up things that already have such a, a life history to them and giving them a new life so making them more on top of the trends or completely switching them up to look entirely different than they originally did um, and so you know that being such a great creative outlet I decided in the last few months to go to Blanche McDonald 
in September and really just go full force into it. That is so cool. And do you think that, sorry, do you think that focusing mainly on like thrifted pieces and reworking those, reinventing them, do you think that came because you love buying your own personal like wardrobe from thrift stores? Definitely. So like it stemmed from like your personal style? Definitely. And I mean, I'm, you know, quite a social justice warrior. (laughs) And a big aspect for me is we have so much clothes on earth. And the fact is that we have so much we don't know what to do with at this point. And there's so much exploitation through the fast fashion industry. And something that I've really been an advocate against for so many years is child slavery and the fast fashion industry really plays into that a lot which is extremely unfortunate and after hearing about the joe fresh building collapse and things like that it just became incredibly apparent to me that there's such a much better way to do things and we don't need to do things that way we we don't need such a mass industry where it's hurting and breaking the backs of so many people just to get a garment for extremely cheap when you can go to the thrift store and you can get things for just as cheap but higher quality that have less of an impact less of a footprint you know aren't hurting people around the world exactly i feel like it's something that i have to explain to people a lot of the time when I don't exactly understand why, but people seem quite offended when they know how much I've spent on an item of clothing. Because, obviously, I am an, a lover and adorer of high fashion mm-hmm. and luxury fashion. I feel like everything in my wardrobe is either one end of the spectrum in that I paid $2 for it at a thrift store, or... The complete opposite end with like a $400 Zadig and Voltaire sweater that I got at a luxury boutique. Yeah. And people seem very confused by that juxtaposition in, in especially in like, like outfits I'll wear on Emeru in a blog post or something like that. People would be like, why, why do you shop at thrift stores and you love that and you advocate for that and then you'll spend so much money, such a ridiculous amount of money on a piece of clothing. I'm like, I like to know where I'm getting my clothes from. Exactly. It's as simple as that. Because if I can either attach it to a, like, a history, in that I know that someone is more, I I know that it's been around longer than maybe I have, Mm -hmm. then that's where I can attach it to, like, that history. Or with something new that's more luxury, I can attach it to a person in that I know that this was, I know who this was designed by. I know whose brain this came from. Yeah. So there's still like, I just, I just want to know where it came from. Yeah. You know what I mean? And chances are, if it's a higher priced item, generally they're made in fashion houses, you know, at a fair wage and not exploiting people who are in desperate need and horrible conditions you know chances are they're putting a lot more integrity into these pieces exactly so 
it makes complete and total sense why you would go on either end of the spectrum. Yeah, because instead of being in the middle. Yeah, both yeah. of them are working towards the same goal, right? Yeah. To mm-hmm. minimize that harsh, gritty scene that's really just taken over quite a few third world countries, unfortunately. Yeah. And it's hard, though, because I understand why people turn to those brands the h&m's mm-hmm. the top shops the forever 21's of the world yeah i understand why from a consumer perspective people turn to those because it's a more approachable affordable way to dress like the you know street style it, it's a way to dress like the kendall jenner's and yeah. the Bella Hadid's yeah. totally. of the world without having to spend as much yeah So, I mean, that's the business person inside me. Like, I can understand where they're coming from. But then no one seems to want to look into where those clothes are coming from. It's like, if it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people are stupid. I think people know. But they just like to ignore it. Yeah, it's what I like to call intentional ignorance. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, where you're, you're aware of it, but it's easier it's more rewarding for you to turn off that switch and Mm -hmm. just put on the blinders roll down the shades to the point where you know your benefits are better than the perceived issues completely and I'm interested on what your thoughts are on like the traditional um runway show and the way that like Fashion Month, and we're at, we're at the tail end of Fashion Month right mm-hmm, now in mm-hmm. February. How that would all look like for you in the future? Do you see yourself fitting into that schedule? Because I don't think you fit into <laughs> a lot of things. Yeah, <laughs> in this in this crazy fast paced world of fashion, I feel like I see you sitting on the on the outskirts. If you know what I mean. Definitely, definitely. I think that where I see myself going is. You know, of course, fashion is such an art. And so I'd want mine to be displayed as such. Okay. You know, I'd love to have a massive party and having all of the the servers, you know, wearing my designs and then having a show to do with that with, you know, people doing aerial silks and interactive art pieces. So the only way I can think of is outside of the box and... If it coincidentally happened to line up with Fashion Week eventually, <laughs> you know, that would if be If we happen to run ideal. in the same schedule, then yeah. <laughs> that's just the way she goes. Yeah, but, oh, exactly. I love that. I had a feeling that that would be the way that you would want to do things. Yeah. Because I just can't see you being, you know, just another, another designer in the schedule. Yeah. Well, I mean, a really big inspiration for me in that regard is Azadine Alaya and how he did... Um, he was never on anyone's schedule and he just kind of did whatever he wanted and he really displayed his models and his works as pieces of art, you know, so much so that they would be in showrooms where you could just walk around and it was almost like you were at a art reveal. You know, I love that. I think that there's something so much more personal and romantic with that rather than the traditional you know, the most important people are up front and you get to view them for a few minutes at best. Well, yeah. And that's what, like, I mean, obviously 
since I was a little girl, it's been my dream to be in that world, sit front row, and do the whole fashion month editor thing. Mm -hmm. But the more I think about it, the more I realize that we need more people to question that system Mm -hmm. and think more outside of the box. People like you, thankfully, (laughs) and and it's becoming more socially accepted in the fashion world to do, you know, off-the-cuff types of, you know, showrooms and anything other than our traditional runway show, because I just feel like there's so much politics around it, around the runway show. Yeah. Who's sitting in the front row and, you know, who gets invited to the shows. And I just remember hearing something like, if Anna Wintour is late for a show, they will literally wait for hours until she gets there before they show. Yeah. Just because it's Anna Wintour. Yeah. And I get that, yeah, it's Anna Wintour, but... I don't know, I just, I feel like because there's so much celebrity and there's so much pop culture packed in to this industry that that's what runway shows have become more around instead of actually showing and appreciating the clothes. Yeah. If you see videos of, like, people sitting in the audience watching, they're on their phones, like taking snap and instagram stories so they can tell everyone what whose show they were at yeah and you know who they sat beside and all this stuff and it's just like does anyone actually care about the clothes anymore it's almost a status symbol now it completely is yeah it completely is so why not play into that and just make an entire party (laughs) exactly you know that everyone wants to be invited to yeah but have it accessible because that's the aspect of fashion that i adore is you can go anywhere. You can find materials anywhere and you can throw something together and be featured on a top-of-the-line fashion blog. You know, it's just about the way your mind works. And the more accessible we can make it, the more people want to express themselves through that art form. Exactly. So, the trend of see now, buy now has kind of come and gone, but some Mm -hmm. people are still partaking in it Burberry for example what's what's your take on that because like I'm like do you know like like see no buy no no basically it was this huge big trend that came about probably like I'm guessing like end of 2015 maybe beginning of 2016 basically where brands would create their entire collections before they showed like everything and have it ready to go behind the scenes of their stores and online and all their retailers and the second the show ended everything would go on sale instead of waiting six months Mm. so Burberry is one of the brands one of the biggest brands that's done this and so for example like they just showed their fall 2018 ready to wear last week and it is for it's been for sale for a week Wow. They're not waiting till September to put it for sale because people are so flippant and patient. Yeah. And the brands are, you know, buying into that. And they realize that everyone wants things faster and faster and faster. And maybe the traditional wait six months after showing to sale and having each season 
be that, you know, six-month period ahead, instead of it actually being shown in the season that it is, is irrelevant now. Because mm-hmm. people are so impatient. <laughs> because we all get things so fast. Yeah. On our phones and through technology, everything is just instant. We can have things instantly at our fingertips, so we want our clothes instantly. Yeah. As well. I honestly... I don't enjoy that. I think that that's playing into a lot of the consumerist mentality of instant gratification. And particularly with art, no part of it is instant. It's all a process. And the start to finish is unreal on a single garment. And so to take an entire collection and to deduce it and just make it readily available, I think, if anything, you're taking away value from it. And... It's like a straight-to-DVD movie. Like, would you really want to... <laughs> that's a, that's such a good way of describing it. Like, would you want to put that over something that, you know, did so well in the box office and waited so long to get released? Probably not. Exactly, so... I think it's it's the job of the designers to find the balance between the consumer and pleasing their consumer and still using their job as an outlet for their artistic abilities. Yeah. Because they're all artists. They're brilliant. Mm -hmm. And, like, so Christopher Bailey, um, even though he's leaving Burberry, rest in peace. (laughs) (laughs) So Christopher Bailey is a brilliant designer. Mm -hmm. He's done such an amazing job with, with the brand, with the iconic house that it is. But it frustrates me, and I feel like he's downgrading the, all the work that he has put into those collections by just being like, oh, okay, it's done. Here you go. There it is. Now let's work on the next one. Mm-hmm. And instead of making people wait, but not only wait, making people actually appreciate it and not be watching the shows thinking, I'm going to buy that in 10 minutes with that mindset. Because if you know that you can buy those things right now, you're watching pieces of art in a completely different mindset than you would have, which just frustrates me. It's almost like you're adding them to your shopping cart as they're going down. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. And I hate that because I'm like, I would hate to be sitting watching a show and instead of actually appreciating the art that each piece is and the little details and everything that the collection represents and thinking about what's the inspiration behind all these and in, and instead thinking, okay, buying that. Yeah. going to buy that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now let's go to the next show. Yeah. It's just, it's making things move so much faster, which I find is particularly unnecessary in artistic industries. You know, there has to be some kind of hype around it. Otherwise yeah. you're cheapening the brand. Yeah. And fashion's just becoming faster and faster and faster, which is bringing it into so many other worlds. I feel like in the last two or three years, fashion has collided, especially with the music industry, so much. Mm -hmm. And it's becoming so much more of a, instead of it being this like exclusive group of people that just they're in their own little world and no one else is let in. Mm-hmm. You know, people are doing more collaborations and people are 
working with rappers and people are working with other types of artists and that I think is really really cool and I want to focus on that part of where fashion is moving because I feel like that's a really big trend right now instead of it being everything's just moving faster 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 yeah because those are like the two things I feel like represent what fashion has become in the last few years is everything is so much faster and everything is a little bit more open to the rest of the world Definitely. So there's like a positive and a negative yeah, <laughs> to how fashion has changed. Yeah, yeah. Recently. So you used to do, I know you're a singer. I mm-hmm. know you are a beautiful singer. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing dancer, too. <laughs> Stop. Breaks it down <laughs> on the D floor, just so y'all know. <laughs> um, but like, did you used to do actual, I don't even know how to say that. Did you used to like pursue music as? anything more than just fun? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been doing music for as long as I can remember. My mom, she, you know, has been a sing teacher, and so that's just always been something that we've done um, kind of in our family, and I've always been performing, like, since I was three years old, um, even though it makes me very anxious <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Love it. Um, but... When I was about 14, I started taking it a little more seriously. I taught myself guitar because I wanted to be able to accompany myself and play open mics and stuff like that. I started writing music a lot more. Um, And, you know, when I was 15, 16, I started playing um, different venues and like this uh, small like city festival in Vancouver. and. Um, at a club there and I find that that was kind of the pinnacle for me of you know figuring out that I wanted to do it with my life and then after that you know I decided that that's not the end all be all for me because I think that I truly cherish it as an emotional outlet so much and um, as something to bring together my family that I don't want to make it into um, a piece of work for me. I'd rather it be collaboration. You know, if it flows naturally, if there's someone that wants to make a beat for me or wants to be on a verse or whatever, um, that's the way that I would rather do it than be hustling for it all the time because I don't want that life per se. Right. Like the touring, the constant go, go, go. Um, I want it in a different aspect, and I just want that to be a singular part, not the total of my life. So it's still just something that I enjoy doing. I go to open mics every week. I busk when it's nice out, and it's about the connection with people, not the fame that it would grant me. Right. Yeah. I love that you described it as an emotional outlet. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard anything be described as that before. Really? I've always hearing creative outlet. I use creative outlet all the time. Yeah. That's how I describe my writing and yeah. blogging is a creative outlet for me. But I love that you can have something that's so separate and it's exactly that. It's an emotional outlet. So that's something that is necessary in your life for you to feel like you're expressing yourself. Yeah, and to me, that's the difference between being a creative person and being an artist. Like, as an artist, it's a necessity 
if you don't have an outlet in any of those regards, any of those creative divisions, it starts to torture you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> tortured artist. You, you can say that twice. <laughs> yeah, truly. So for me, it's the most, the most accessible way for me to, to emotionally get a lot of things out. And, you know, particularly with traumatic events, it's just so easy to play, you know, chords over and over and freestyle and ball at the same time. <laughs> and it just, it flows, right? Yeah. And then at the end, it's like this wave washed over you and you've created this piece of of art that you don't need to hold on to. Right. I don't need to sing that again. It's just, it was there. It was in that moment. It was what I needed. It was perfect and absolute and it's gone. And it, you know, served its purpose for that moment. Entirely. And instead of, you know, using that to sell yeah you just use it for what it's supposed to be used for it would take away the meaning for me to profit off of it I love that and what can you like describe the type of music that you listen to or do yeah I mean the the type I listen to is extremely eclectic I mean (laughs) like I love me some 90s hip-hop and that but then I also love drum and bass and um classic rock and um R&B is a massive massive genre that I adore and jazz so it's really it's so diverse musically it's more about the emotion exactly truly and the way that I connect with it but the kind of music that I prefer to do is definitely in the R&B genre. Love it. Mm -hmm. And some classic rock, you know, get some heart and blondie up in there too. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Do you find that like, and I'm the exact same way with such a diverse range of music that I listen to, because music is such an important part of how I get through my life. I cannot, I don't, I don't like silence. (laughs) Same. (laughs) I can't go like, moments without having the soundtrack to my life playing in the background. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I feel like it is. Mm-hmm. The music that I listen to. But I'm. it's so dependent on my bipolar mood <laughs> that you would be so confused to just press shuffle on my Spotify, all my songs. Yeah. Right? Because, and I'm sure you're the exact same way in that I can be driving home one night and I just want to feel completely badass. And so I'm like, I'm going to wrap all of Childish Gambino's sweatpants right now. <laughs> and I don't care who hears. Yes. But then the next morning, I'll want to feel heartbroken. Because sometimes you just want to feel heartbroken. So I'll put on, like, I don't even know. Who would I put on if I felt heartbroken? She Lays Down by the 1975. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a heartbreaking song. Um, but you know go. what I mean? Like, yeah. it's so dependent on how you feel. And I feel like if you're... I've never written any music. Mm-hmm. The only time I've ever sang is in musicals. So I can just imagine that creating music based on how you feel is just that much more freeing. than just listening to the music based on how you feel. Yeah, I mean, definitely, because I think when it's 
coming out of you, it's completely you. You know, you're verbalizing, you're, you're putting, externalizing your own experience instead of trying to relate to someone else's. I love that. And that's how I feel when I write, because mm-hmm. I do a lot of, most of my writing is not ever published in any sort of way. I never put it in a blog post because, and I have written a few very like personal blog posts sharing experiences and thoughts, but for the most part, if I'm just expressing myself, it's just random notes on my laptop or scribbled in a page in my notebook at school or in a note on my phone or anything like that. And I love going back and rereading them because I know how freeing it felt to write that at the time. And it'll bring me back to exactly how I was feeling and how much I've grown or improved or changed since that moment when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. It's just the best feeling. Yeah. And I write a lot of poetry. I write way more poetry than I do music because music's freestyle for me. Poetry is, you know, sit and analyze. And when I reread some of my poetry, even from like two months ago, I was in such a different mind frame. It's so interesting to see how my thought processes have evolved and how I look back on then. And it was a time that seemed to be filled with so much strife. And now it's, I can almost be grateful for it. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah. Completely. I have this one blog post that I shared. Ooh, it would have been about a year and a half ago. And it was right after a breakup. And I refrained from post from posting <laughs> <laughs> from posting a blog post for a few weeks after we broke up because I was pretty heartbroken and finally I did and it was it was mysterious I didn't really fully explain what had happened I just basically was mad and mad at myself mad at the situation and I let that be very obvious in my writing in the post saying that I didn't have my priorities straight Mm. and this is where I belong with you whoever you are that is reading this and I am gonna focus on you from now on I'm gonna focus on me and we're just gonna let this fly and I love going back and reading that blog post whenever I need I don't know some sort of reminder that I've made progress of my life into who I am yeah because I was immature and I just I think that's a perfect example of what we're talking about yeah just that flick of a switch yeah because that is so raw to what I was feeling in that moment yeah and I just need to remember that that's where I once was when I'm feeling really low right now Mm -hmm. and realize okay it's not so bad you've grown you've changed Mm mm-hmm you're chill. Yeah. <laughs> or like, oh my goodness, this is a perfect example of just the random things that I write down in the notes on my phone. So basically, I was on a Greyhound. Mm-hmm. I was leaving Kelowna and going to Vancouver. And I wrote this and I found it the other day and I was like, oh my goodness, I totally forgot writing this. And it just happened to be a moment where I was feeling really sad. Mm. And this completely changed turned me around did made me do a 360 on how I was feeling that day Mm. 
it basically says, I pride myself in my ability to find hope in anything. I'm on the Greyhound and just saw a picture on my phone's recently deleted that made me feel just plain sad. And as I dramatically stare out the window as we drive towards the bridge through downtown, I see an orange stop walking hand at a crosswalk and then another and another. I think they're waving at me. It makes me smile. Hmm. And that's, my phone is full of random little bits like that. I think they're waving at me. It was that. such a weird moment because we were driving, we, we drove past probably six or seven crosswalks and not a single one of them was on the little white walking person. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them was on that orange hand. Yeah. And I saw one and I was like, it kind of looks like it's given me one of the, hey, <laughs> little hands. And then I saw the next one and the next one, they were so close to each other that I could almost see like three at once. And I was just, like, had this weird moment where I was, I am the character in a movie right now. <laughs> and they're literally waving at me. But that's perspective, right? Because that's awesome. You, It's like you saw something that maybe some people would see as stop or, you know, slow down, but, or speed up on the opposite but you saw it as this very cheerful you know reminder yeah it because I felt so lonely in that moment mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I was like they're waving at me and yeah. it made me smile and I was like I need to write that down <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome because that's just how I live my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you find that all these other creative things that you do affect your personal style or how you see yourself designing in the future do you think that like the style that you'll create with clothing kind of will reflect what you what music listen to or any other like artistic things you do entirely I mean I truly get influenced from so many different things and you know it's insane because I just had a conversation the other day with my friend about you know being punk and what that means and it revisited me to when I initially started listening to punk music and that started to remind me of that style and how part of me wants to express that more within myself and so it's even to the minute details of a conversation you know something that would spark me to start to go into a different genre in one regard and it just adds to the to the collection. It's like a mosaic and just adding another piece, right? I love that. So for me, I mean, even doing all of this makeup stuff that I'm doing right now, um, you know, a lot of it is going to influence my style down the line because it's it's playing with abstract color combinations and uh, patterns and designs and that would of course translate in fashion and as well in styling overall Mm -hmm. because of the contrast that you can do with the two is very unlimited. Okay so talk a little (laughs) bit more about the stuff that you're doing with like makeup artistry and stuff because 
I mean, we'll we'll do our cheesy little Instagram plug at the end, <laughs> but everyone obviously needs to go look and see the incredible work that you do because it's beautiful. Oh, thank you. It honestly, it all started, like, um, me playing around with colors and everything like that. It started about a year ago, um, and I was following um, this artist, Kelsiana Fitzpatrick, Never heard of her. She's on the Kat D artistry team. Okay. Um, I used to dance with her, so I... I Cool. I followed her because I knew her, and then I saw her start posting all of this crazy stuff with makeup, and in the box that I was living in, I was so creative in so many different ways, but not makeup-wise and not fashion-wise and this was about a year and a few months back, she started posting some really extreme, beautiful, out-there looks. And the more eccentric they were, the more it inspired me, you know, to go, oh, you don't just have to wear browns and tubs on your eyes. (laughs) I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah. You can do, like, crazy graphic liner or, um, you know, blue brows or whatever. And so I ordered this this 188 shadow palette off of BH Cosmetics. Oh my goodness. And that was kind of the beginning of it all. It was just a bunch of, you know, rainbow colors with really terrible pigment. But it didn't <laughs> matter because it was starting this journey of me expressing myself through color right. and starting to work with different designs. And then, you know, a coworker gifted me the electric palette by Urban Decay. And it just, the collection started to build and so did my skills. And the more people I was following on Instagram, that all directly showed in my self-expression. Because before it was almost like I didn't feel like I was allowed to do those kinds of things until I saw it. And then I understood that that was something that would be a massive outlet for me and a creative expression for me because I am so creative that it's if I'm keeping it all in here it stresses me out so to be able to you know show that on a daily level of you know putting on white paint in my brows and gold liner and orange freckles you know, just doing that is enough for me to look in the mirror and feel like a walking piece of art. I love it. Yeah. I love what you said very briefly there about doing something even though you'd never seen it done before. Mm-hmm. Because that is something that I was thinking about literally this morning. I was looking at the most recent Gucci collection. Mm-hmm. And when I see something... Then I'm like, oh, I have a piece kind of similar to that. I could probably rework that, create my own look out of it. I save it as the image on my phone. And then I thought, do I ever actually create outfits based on my own imagination anymore? Because ever since I became obsessed with high fashion and watching these shows, and that's where I get all my inspiration from now, Mm-hmm. I wondered when was the last time I wore something based on what I picture in my imagination instead of taking inspiration from someone else, which is fine. And it's um, enabled me to become even more creative in how I use pieces in my wardrobe that I never would have thought to wear in those ways before. 
but I also want to get back to my roots of what made me love fashion in the first place, which was just in my imagination. Mm-hmm. Just mixing things that make people slightly uncomfortable or wonder, does that work? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Because that was the original thing that made me fall in love with fashion was the idea that I want people to see me and question, huh, like, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. It's kind of different. I kind of, I kind of like that. Yeah. I think that works. Yeah. And it's that process between the, the first second you look at me until te- 10 seconds later and you're like, actually, yeah, that works. Yeah. Well, because the, the aspect of art overall is to provoke a thought or an emotion. Exactly. And so if you're just passable, in my mind, is that really fashion? Um, what's the fun in that? Yeah, exactly. I feel like I should tell everybody that you're wearing a bright orange, <laughs> like, pumpkin shade turtleneck <laughs> right now that I feel like is suited to, I don't know, like, Me Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. That's the first thing that came to my mind. So I'm actually going to take a photo of you because I need to post a photo on Instagram anyway. You're so funny. And then everyone will know when they listen to the podcast that this is the photo that was taken. Exactly how I looked. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody, expect that on at Emory McKay. You can go and see exactly what Eden was wearing when we, when we were chatting. So you've also just recently, actually just yesterday, gotten a certificate or a qualification in something mm-hmm. and I'm not really exactly sure what <laughs> explain to me what happened yeah so yesterday I got my Reiki certification my level one okay. practitioner certification and so essentially what Reiki is is it's a energetic healing process cool yeah so the history of it is really insane and we touched on a lot of it yesterday and um you know, this man who lived in Japan named Usui Sensei, he essentially, you know, ended up moving to Chicago and um, he did a 21-day fast on a mountain and by the end of it, he felt um, these powers come into him and he saw these symbols, essentially. And so through that, he started this energetic healing and he could feel... The differences it was making and you know it was as simple as him coming down from the mountain he stopped for a meal and the waitress had a toothache and he placed his hand on her face and the toothache went away anyways this has been a practice since the early 1900s and it originated in japan and he ended up bringing it over and it's something that has to be passed down from a master so they have to go through the levels And it has to be passed on from a master. So everything goes back to Usui Sensei, which is really cool. That is really, really cool. Yeah. And one of um, his descendants' descendants, um, Tagata, she actually came to the Okanagan and helped teach it in the early 1970s. So interestingly enough, she was in Summerland and taught it. Um, But essentially, yeah, it's energetic work. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. And so it's it's working on your chakras, feeling imbalances, um, working on ailments of the body. A lot of the level one work is more physical. So it helps um, with your body 
issues, if there's any pain or discomfort, um, it really helps alleviate that. But a lot of the properties that I'm into is the mental health benefits, the release of emotion, um, the meditative aspect of it. And it's really tapping into the collective energy, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, your higher being, whatever kind of way you want to put it. And manifesting it in a physical manner where you can feel the benefits of it. That is really, really interesting. And as you were saying before you mentioned meditation, I was going to ask if it ties in or correlates in any way to meditation because that's a really big part of my life, especially as someone who has dealt with anxiety for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I know the benefits from that. So I can just imagine like connecting meditation with more physical things would be yeah really cool yeah entirely I mean I've you know grown up with anxiety as well and um my mom was level two certified Reiki all growing up so it's something she used to do on me a lot when I was a kid um you know when I wasn't feeling well or whatever um but it was something that she hadn't done on me since I was probably 11 and then when I came back and moved back in in September with her after being away for two and a half years um I was really upset one day and she, you know, offered to do Reiki on me and it was life-changing. It's like she took all of this mental clutter and, you know, spiritual discomfort and just calmed everything down. Mm -hmm. And it was, I can't meditate on my own. And it was the only time I could get into a meditative space. And it was when she was doing Reiki on me. And it was like she brought this feeling of calm and bliss that I had virtually never felt before (laughs) that is crazy yeah yeah so what does the process look like so when someone else is doing it on you because you can do it on yourself as well when you get your level one but when someone else is doing it on you um the best part the best way to do it is to just uh lie on your back with your palms up similar to um um oh my god what word am I Welcome Vinyasa yoga. Oh, um, oh my goodness. Is it Shavasana? Shavasana. Shavasana. Shavasana and yoga. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, you know, just on your back, palms up, because that's the ready to receive kind of body language, right? And so, you know, depending on how comfortable the practitioner is with you, you know, obviously with my mom, she just sits above me and she starts working on my head um, beforehand you know, she holds her hands in heart position and asks for guidance from um, Yusui or Tagata or any other um, Reiki past beings, or you can ask for guidance from your angels or your spirit guides, depending on, you know, what facet of Reiki you primarily follow. And that's just going to essentially welcome in all of the energy and start the manifestation and you know a lot of focus and breath work helps pull it into fruition and so she'll just place her hands in different areas around my body um for however long she feels until it's attuned Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because afterwards you know I'm always curious to what she felt and she's a lot more visual than I am. And so she'll tell me 
colors that she saw and they actually correlate with chakras that I felt opening. Wow. Yeah, and then it's been it's been down to the point of her there was this one crazy um part that happened about a month ago uh when I told no, she, I didn't tell her. She told me um my brother passed away about two and a half years ago and um she had said you know, I felt him here at one point. I felt his presence here. And I asked him to place his hands on your feet. And he said, no, ew, I don't want to touch your feet. And then <laughs> he said, um, and then she said, okay, well, how about her chest? And um, as soon as she said, I felt like Dylan was here, I said, I felt hands on my chest. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So it was this insane connection where it was something that I felt there that she didn't even get the chance to say. And that's happened, you know, one of dozens of times. And it's, it's, the proof is in the pudding there for me, yeah, you no, know? that's incredible. Yeah, so. Something that I have found works best for me in terms of the meditation that I do. Obviously, this is a little different, but it's being able to focus in and hone in on a millimeter, a square millimeter in any part of your body Mm. with just your mind Mm -hmm. and the ability to control it because I feel like we don't realize how much control we have and how much power our brain has over every single part of our body. And I did this series of meditations through this app that I use and they have a lot of series on there. They're like 20, 20 different uh, meditation things that you're supposed to do once a day. And this one that I did was supposed to train your brain not to react to what your body is feeling. It was so fascinating. And it was difficult. Mm-hmm. It was probably the one of the most difficult things I've ever had to, fo- you know, not force, but train my brain to be able to do. And, for example, like, one of them was something that you're feeling physically. So, if you felt an itch, to acknowledge it, but not react, and then move on. Mm-hmm. Instead of instinctually wanting to scratch that itch. Yeah. And then it moved on to auditory. You hear you know, a a dog barking. And instead of reacting or allowing your brain to go off course from what you were thinking about previously and be distracted by that, it's almost like something else in the back of your mind acknowledges it, but doesn't doesn't allow it to affect you. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's something that I've kind of carried along or tried my best to carry along with since I did it. I did it in the summer when I did that series. Um, And I did it right before I got really, really sick Mm. in August. I had mono. Wow. It was the most (laughs) rough summer, let me tell (laughs) you. But I'm so glad that I had done that before I got so sick because I've never felt such achiness in my body. You know Mm. that achy feeling you get when you're sick? Yeah. Take that times a million. Like, the pain. And it was, like, I was so weak. 
So I literally couldn't do anything but just lie on a couch all yeah. day. And I was in too much pain to sleep. So I would wow. literally just lie there. Yeah. And obviously it's a little bit tougher to ignore that than ignoring an itch. Yeah. <laughs> but I felt like, okay, this is my opportunity to further train my brain not to let this pain frustrate me. Yeah. Or affect me mentally. Mm-hmm. Because I got pretty close sometimes to just going crazy. Where I was like, <laughs> I can't take this anymore. Yeah. And then I had to be like, no, I'm, this is separate. Mm-hmm. The pain is separate from me. Mm, if you know what I yes, mean. Yes, yes, yeah. That's awesome. So it was a really, really cool learning experience. Yeah, for sure. sure. The app is called Calm, by the way, everybody. You should all go download it. It's great. I have it. <laughs> Do you use it? Yeah. It's so the good, right? The stories are amazing. I love them. Yeah. I love them so much. It's so worth it, that app. It's so good. Pricey, but worth it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it is pricey, but it's it's so worth it. I mean, yeah. you can get the free one, get her, get her started, but it's so worth it. It's yeah. so good. Love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's so cool. Okay, well... I think we've covered, like, yeah. 10 million different topics. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else, like, some, anything new that you're working on right now that you want to tell us about before we before we send off? Yeah. I'm doing the Shocker series with my makeup, which is so opportune timing, right? Right. Perfect. So I'm focusing on three drastically different looks on each chakra, starting from the root going to the crown, of course. Mm-hmm. Um and it's just so interesting because, you know, now that I have my Reiki certification, I can start working on Reiki through the process. And I want to start being able to do sessions on friends and figure out where they're lacking and then give them that color makeup for the day. I love that. Yeah. So that's a new photo series that I'm going to work on a little later this in these next few months in the springtime. Um, and then... Another thing that I'm working on is, you know, touching back on on fashion and reducing waste. Um, I have all these vintage Indian saris, and I'm going to repurpose them and put them into new garments, work them into existing garments, um, and really just give them a life, a new life. That is so exciting. Yeah. For everyone listening, expect to see some some even sterling <laughs> designs any day now. No, uh, any year, any year now. Let's yeah. say, let's give her some time. Any day, any day. Yeah, can you whip me something up for tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> right on it. Because I want more things like that mm. in my wardrobe. Yeah, for sure. And I think everyone should instead yeah. of just this fast fashion crap (laughs) yeah exactly I mean you treasure something so much more Mm -hmm. when you know the labor that went into it or the life it had Mm -hmm. and the life it is to have right yeah I bet everyone listening is like Emily you're such a hypocrite you wear your Topshop Joni jeans in every single box (laughs) (laughs) you know what Topshop makes great jeans it's okay don't beat yourself up (laughs) I know I just 
But that's the last pair I'll ever buy. There you go. <laughs> you woke now. It's, it's vintage Levi's for me from now on. Yes, girl. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much oh. for coming. This is, was so fun. Thank you for having me. This, this is amazing. Great. Everybody better be so impressed because I'm just blown away oh, by everything you, you do. <laughs> and all the same to you. <laughs> to young creatives. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously.